Will he come back? He's still recording. Oh, I certainly hope so. There, there you are, Andy. Welcome back. Do you want to reiterate your point? Uh, what part do you lose me at? Uh, right when you told it. <laughs> Welcome to Hobbit Hoopla. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of Second Breakfast. I'm Jamie Clare, and I'm here with my good buddies to discuss the season one recap of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. What an incredible first season of this television show. And now we're just, we've talked about all eight episodes previously on the Hobbit Hoopla podcast. Hopefully you've been listening along the whole way. Uh... And now we're just going to kind of give our final thoughts on the first season. I'm joined, as always, by the lore master of Hobbit Hoopla, Andy Smith. Thanks, Jamie. Andy Smith here, a connoisseur of many nerdy things, Marvel, DC, uh, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars. What a fun season. And I'm really excited to talk about my favorite moments and some of my favorite characters. So thanks for joining us the whole way through. Excited for it. Yeah, can't wait to get into it. We are also joined... As always, once again, by the fantasy expert, Chris Pio. Hello, hello, everybody. Chris back for our season recap episode. So excited to be here and share our final thoughts before we put Hobbit Hoopla to bed for eh, maybe just a year and a half, maybe two years. It can't come soon enough for us, but we've got one more episode for you here. We're going to talk about season one. You can give us your takes and comments and opinions on those at Hobbit Hoopla on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can reach me personally at Apple Pio on Instagram, at Apple underscore underscore Pio on Twitter. Looking forward to engaging with you in the, uh, shall we call it the off season. But yeah, find us uh, online as well, linktree forward slash Hobbit Hoopla. And you can get in contact with us during this dry spell that we're going to have of no rings of power. No rings of power, but there will be more Hoopla. Don't you fear. Hoopla. Hoopla will never end. That's right. <laughs> we'll let you know about that in just a few minutes. Hobbit Hoopla will merely remain dormant until it returns in 2024. Yes. <laughs> Hoopla never sleeps. It merely yeah. waits. Our, our hot takes are not going anywhere. <laughs> and that brings us to the fourth member of the Hobbit Hoopla podcast. Joining us this week is a very special guest, just a regular old human being, just a normal dentist, Jake Laxer. Yep. Make sure you brush and floss, people. That's that's all I'm going <laughs> to say about what I do for my field. Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and music. Anyone see the Quantum Mania trailer? I am fired up about yes. Kang the Conqueror. It's oh happening. My, holy moly. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. What about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, though? Oh, that's like that a is too. also happening. Special presentation. Oh yeah, I want to see lots of hero hoopla in our future. Methinks. Do we think we will see Groot with a red ornament like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree to be oh, determined? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. yeah, that's that's definitely it. Also, get my theory music going. Get my theory music going. Also, Anyhow. oh my goodness, theory music in the intro. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think we've um, ever had that. Who had that on their bingo cards? <laughs> bingo. Hoopla. Uh, anyhow. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to finally do this season recap. Like Jamie said, what an incredible season. And we have some fun topics to discuss. Uh, we'll be throwing in a new sound today. We will be throwing in our theory debunk sound. <laughs> Here's your theory debunk sound. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking we haven't about? Been We've never been we wrong. We haven't been debunked. <laughs> Not once have I ever been wrong about anything. <laughs> as oh, as a pragmatic as a pragmatic speaker on this podcast, I understand that I've been incorrect once or twice. So uh, <laughs> so we will we will tie. And back. You're the only one, my friend. <laughs> so we will tie back to my outlandish theories and everyone else's correct theories and celebrate those. So let's dive right in, Jim. What do you got for us? We do have a lot to talk about, but real quick, we just have some quick announcements about the Hobbit Hoopla podcast. As Chris mentioned, the season one is over. We have a few more episodes of Hobbit Hoopla coming out in the near future as we watch and review the Hobbit trilogy, followed by the Lord of the Rings trilogy, 
So check out those episodes of Hobbit Hoopla before we take a little break from the Hobbit lifestyle for a little bit, and then we will be diving in to Hero Hoopla as some of these new Marvel MCU properties are coming out. Hoopla! So there's a lot of excitement in the Hoopla world. Hoopla! Hoopla! Follow us on Twitter. Hoopla! That's Star Wars. And stay tuned for all those exciting updates. And speaking of following us on Twitter, Chris, what do we have going on this week? We have a special giveaway for all the fans of Hobbit Hoopla. We are hosting a sweepstakes contest. You can enter by finding us on Twitter at Hobbit Hoopla. There will be a specific pinned tweet that you can go and find and give us your best season two theory. Best season two theory under that tweet. Make sure to like the tweet as well and be sure to follow us. And if you comment your best theory, we will judge them, take a look, discuss amongst the Eldars, and whichever one we see fit will win a free selection from amongst our merch. So definitely share your theories with us at Hobbit Hoopla on Twitter. Uh, You can certainly join in the fun. Give us your theories. We are ready for them. And someone is going to win a very special prize. I hope it's me. Andy, where can they find this merch? You can find the merch at hobbithoopla.square.site. We have a few different products on there, so take a look. We got a lot of Gandalf merch. We got a beanie, a hat, a sticker, a sweatshirt, a few different shirts, and of course, the What the Hoopla mug that Jamie is using right now. So go and take a look, and maybe one of those (laughs) will be yours through the sweepstakes. Do you mean Hobbit Hoopla Stranger merch, Andy? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right. Our logo has been the stranger sure, this whole Jay. time. Well, <laughs> it's, you mean you mean Gandalf the Blue? <laughs> oh, yes. yes, of yes, course. Yes, yes. Indubitably. <laughs> theory music, theory music. <laughs> um, all right. Well, without any further ado, let's dive in to this season recap episode of Hobbit Hoopla, talking about the entirety of season one of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Let's go around and get some overall thoughts on what you guys liked about this season. We'll start with our lore master, Andy. I mean, Jamie, the main thing when we were coming into this series is what will the Amazon Tolkien universe look like? And really, when they released, it was such a wonderful reintroduction to the world we all love, especially after 10 years of Peter Jackson-less films. The Hobbit trilogy, and then 10 years before that, the masterpiece that we all love, we watch annually. Some of us do. It it was just, it was a great introduction. So, I, my overall thought is JD Payne and Patrick McKay, as the showrunners in their first major showrunner roles, did, I thought, a spectacular job cinematically from a writing perspective. Like we've talked about the dialogue and so many incredible moments, things that we'll touch on here in a minute. So, my overall thought is, Wow, great job. And I'm excited to see how this builds over the next few seasons. I think it it eased some of our initial worries for this Amazon series. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people, myself included, were nervous to see what Amazon would do with this, but I think they crushed it. What did you think, Chris? Yeah, Andy, you hit all the right notes there and tied it together nicely. I said in the very first episode of Hobbit Hoopla, go back and listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, that I was excited to be back in the Lord of the Rings universe. And that remains true. Andy, what you said about the Peter Jackson with this 10-year drought where you know we had those Hobbit movies and, and we did enjoy them to an extent in their own right, but this universe feels the same. It feels like you could take mm-hmm. scenes from this show and place them directly into the original trilogy, and they would just fit. The production, the set pieces, the imagery that we get from Tolkien's lore is apparent here all throughout, and I just think the season did a great job of setting the stage for what we have in the future. Could not agree more. What were your overall thoughts on this season, Jakey? I mean, what can I say more than what Andy and Chris have already said? It's pretty much all straws. covered. Do I just repeat everything that was? Yeah, just, I mean, I, I just say the short hoopla. No, no. Hoopla, <laughs> hoopla, just say hoopla. hoopla. Right. Everyone who agrees, say hoopla. Right. <laughs> I'm honestly content with that. Is everyone okay with my input there? Because that's I'm the sure you've got to have beautiful. something to say. <laughs> uh, we'll come right back to you in a second, but I I just want to say one thing that maybe these guys didn't touch on too specifically was just that some of these new characters, the original characters that were written for this show are super interesting and they're just adding to this world, Uh, bringing all the characters that we know about some 
that have existed in lore that we weren't too familiar with, bringing those into the story. I think they did a great job introducing all these new characters and storylines and fantastic setup season one. Looking forward to moving forward in season two. And you know what, Jim? You actually brought a thought to mind. You mentioned characters, and one thing that I think that is beautiful about Lord of the Rings, you mentioned the word character. And you cannot do Lord of the Rings without making a character out of the settings and landscapes and nature. You know, mm-hmm. Tolkien made a big emphasis in his initial writings that all of that has to be explored. And visually, it's just so appealing to see that. We do get some CGI cities between Region, Numenor, and whatever. But it is just so refreshing to get these beautiful aerial shots and just have a great deal of appreciation for this line of work in cinematography. And that was just refreshing to see in a TV format. So they're going big screen on the small screen. And I think a few things were experimental throughout this season, but they showed that they can do it. They showed it can be executed. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, what's what's ahead, what's in the future. But you guys hit on all the right points. A lot of fun characters, a <laughs> lot of tiebacks to the initial film can be immediately placed right back in, like Chris said. And yeah, what Andy said, too. <laughs> yeah, what everybody said. Hoopla! All, in agreement. all right, we did it. Hoopla! We got to the point where we all agree with each other. <laughs> now we can I'll, cancel I'll, the podcast. As a, team. as a capstone to all those comments, I'll leave you with this. I will be rewatching Rings of Power. It doesn't hold the same nostalgia as the original trilogy, but... Some shows these days, I just don't care to rewatch. I just enjoy it for the content and put it to bed. This is something I will rewatch. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to rewatch since as soon as episode eight came out. Wait, you guys haven't rewatched yet? No, not yet. I'm I'm busy. (laughs) Oh, Oh, come on. All right, I'm through episode three again. I really need to step it up because my third rewatch is really when I'm going to make the connections that we've all been waiting for. (laughs) Can't wait. So, yeah, let's get into it. Jake, do you have a favorite moment from this season? One that really stands out as being like, my God, this show is amazing. My God, this show is amazing. I do have a favorite moment for you, Jim. That moment was when Galadriel is undergoing the mind invasion by Sauron on the raft, specifically. And we touched a little bit on it in our season one eight episode, but I want to talk a little bit more specifically to that scene and the lines that were drawn up there. So Galadriel says at the beginning of the season, uh, sometimes the lights shine just as brightly reflected in the water as they do in the sky. How am I to know which lights to follow in her initial episode, in her initial conversation with Finrod? And Finrod responds, sometimes we cannot know until we have touched the darkness. Tie back to the final episode, we have Mind Invasion Finrod that says, do you remember what I whispered to you under this very tree? Touch the darkness once more. It was a different line. And that's actually when Galadriel comes to and realizes that she's being... Uh, she's succumbing to Great the catch. villainous nature of Sauron. And then following and, that... And, and it, yeah, go well, on, In Jim. addition to that, maybe you're about to say this, but she also discusses how the light shines as brightly reflected off the water as it does from the sky. And then we get a, an awesome camera shot that flips mm. everything around. Yep. And we see the two of them standing on the raft reflected in the water yeah. as yep. Sauron's crown takes shape. Yes, So bringing that entire conversation back into one scene. Yep. And we see the reflection. The sun is directly illuminated behind their villainous reflections. And then Halbrand literally touches her chin to face him. The touching, he, she, the tuck, words. (laughs) The darkness is literally touching her. And then we proceed Uh... through this conversation. And then the weather patterns alter and the light fades as Sauron manifests into his antagonistic form. I loved that that whole transcendence from episode one to episode eight occurred, and it just tied everything together for me. So beautiful scene, visually as well as symbolically. That's why it's my number one. Yeah, that was a beautiful moment. I mean, can we just talk about how good Charlie Vickers was as Hal Brand this whole season and how every episode he did something that kind of hinted towards the fact that he is actually Sauron in disguise. And but he almost there were like little breadcrumbs that we were picking up, but he was so, so good at it that we didn't know for sure. But he was almost the way that he was delivering 
really the full slate of different scenes he's in, he was almost manipulating the audience. It almost felt that way. Like we saw him fight the Numenorians and we thought, wow, that's interesting. He's a little bit more powerful than your average human. He keeps looking at the anvils like he wants to blacksmith. And then he's very interested in talking to Galadriel to get out of the prison. It was just very interesting to see his progression that then climaxes Mm -hmm. into that final scene. His sleight of hand also throughout episode two. That's another key catch with obtaining the blacksmith token as well as Finrod's Mm -hmm. dagger. Andy, I'm so glad you mentioned that scene because truthfully, that was one of the very few scenes that I actually wrote down in my notes while looking through the other notes and watching some clips back. When he's in the prison and Gladriel figures this out about episode three or four, she comes back and says, your people have no king because you are him. He says on the raft, to tie Jake's point in, that his king surrendered to Morgoth. Well, yeah. If he's supposed to be the king, Sauron would have surrendered to Morgoth. So technically he never lied, which is the best type of lying. it all it kind of ties that all together i'm excited to go through the rewatch and specifically listen to every single thing how brand says exactly if he ever does actually lie because i'm not sure if he ever says anything that's untrue (laughs) he just manipulates galadriel the whole season and lets her believe that she's convincing him to go to middle earth when actually he was the one who wanted her to take him to middle earth to interject some brevity and humor to the situation, <laughs> now that we know how Brand was Sauron, or Sauron was how Brand, either way you want to put it, in that fight scene where he swipes the Guildcrest token, why did he need to do that? Was the Guildcrest token a part of his master plan? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, if yeah. he knew he had to get closer to Celebrimbor, that guild token does not get him closer. Well, so that actually goes to a larger point there, though, as well, Chris, where there was one scene when he's in Numenor and he's almost there's no one else in the room. OK, so it's just the audience and him. And he puts down the emblem of the Southlands, the king. Ah, and you're saying he, he was choosing. Back. It's almost like he was trying to figure out was his plan the whole time to go to Numenor to then manipulate, say, a Farazon, or maybe he just happened right. upon a Galadriel who then he could use to then, oh, she just made me the king of the Southlands where I'm going to go eventually anyways. Like, what was ah. his plan? I, I don't know because he was making a choice in that moment. Unless- I think you're right. Unless it's just one of those cinematic kind of shots Mm. where I don't know. But looking back on it, he was making a choice in that moment to stay in Numenor or to Mm -hmm. go to the Southlands. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can theorize exactly what the intent was in terms of initially taking that guild crest. However, we do know that he most likely to some degree was trying to perfect his smithing abilities to craft something in the future. Um, well, okay. Ulti- let's let's talk about Maybe. this. Though. Sauron. Let's, Sauron let's was <laughs> Sauron was the the apprentice to Morgoth. <laughs> like he knows how to craft these things. He doesn't need to go to the the Numenorean top guildsman to learn how to you know. Blast <laughs> That's them. why I'm, that, that was my point. What's that token going to get him that he can't already acquire through this? I don't know mind manipulation. But then again, he he did. We've got to move on here. We've got to move on. And (laughs) and it's okay. It's okay that we talked about. It's okay that we talked about him this way, because technically he played two characters in the show. So facts. facts. (laughs) He did. And maybe he was because he did mention to Galadriel that maybe he had resigned himself to fading away and not trying to regain power and rule over Middle Earth. Mm And so maybe part of that was why he wanted to just kind of become part of the blacksmithing guild and just live a normal life as a Numenorean. I hope that we get to learn more about his backstory. That would be exciting. What led him to being on the raft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we can get a better sense of how much of this he was intentionally doing and how much just kind of happened to him. And before we finally leave the conversation of the raft, I'm going to just drop one last thing in. I am going to play some theory confirmation music for myself because i'm proud of this accomplishment when galadriel plunges down into the sea and uh halbrand goes to save her at that time in episode two i theorized correctly that galadriel was going to save halbrand because he saved her and that is confirmed in episode eight 
when he says, Sauron lives because of you. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Beautiful. And tying on to that theory music, I have a theory for the future, which will be the last thing we say about Halbrand before we move on. As we've talked about his little sticky fingers that he's had, especially in his time in Numenor, in episode eight, he gets his hands on the mithril. Mm. He picks it up, and I think he may have popped a little chunk off that mithril and taken just a wee little bit of mithril Ah. over to Mordor with him to help him with maybe crafting the one ring. I I don't, I'm not on that train right now. I don't think he has mithril, but I'll tell you what my theory is for Sauron, and I alluded to it in episode eight. I think Sauron is going to manipulate each different group through those Palantir. So he's going to manipulate Farazhan. He's going to be in on his throne in, in Mordor, and he's going to manipulate all the leaders of men through the Palantir. I'll tell you where that mithril came from was Khazad Dun. And truthfully, that was my favorite <laughs> moment of the series, this first season. <laughs> yeah. uh, walking into Khazad Dun as Elrond visits in that second episode was very, very much stuck with me. And it still continues to be my favorite scene from the whole season. There was some great stuff, but that moment made me realize, yeah, we're looking at a Peter Jackson universe, we're looking at true Tolkien lore, and we're looking at people that took time and dedication, even if part of it is computer-generated, who cares? That was the moment for me, Jamie, since you asked, that I knew that this show was going to be great, and I'm happy to report that I wasn't disappointed. But seeing that majesty for the first time of what we know was the Mines of Moria was so very cool. Yeah, and in that, in Casa Doom, we get my favorite relationships of the show between Prince Durin, Elrond, and Disa. That trio of characters, Mm. the three actors, incredible. And the characters, all of their interactions between each other were incredible. I was always excited anytime Kaza Doom showed up on screen. So Chris, you actually took my favorite moment, which was- Ah, gotcha. Oh, wow. When Elrond- walks in for the first time and he's guided up to the contest with Durin. Yeah. And then there's the follow-up yes. scene of them on the elevator together. And that's exactly what you're kind of talking about. It set the stage for Kaza Doom, but the dwarven race that we've wanted for so long. One of my favorite parts of Tolkien mythology are these dwarves under the mountain. And I just that was an incredible moment then to follow it up with this kind of lightheartedness between these two wonderful friends clearly we share a fondness for dwarves my friend uh that's sweet but jamie you jamie you did talk about it though it's the 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 trio of characters um really starting off with Elrond and and Durin and explaining their backstory through just really emotional interaction and scenes then followed in with this wonderful princess character that also just brings joy to every scene she's in. Now, I will say there was some odd, like at the very end of the last scene she was in, it seemed a little dark in terms of her intentions, but just those characters together, I think made this season top notch. Yeah, and that little bit of greed that we started to sense from Disa at the very end, which, and we also, the very last thing we see from Kaza Doom is the Balrog awakening, which is one of the things I'm most excited for for season two is we're going to have something going on with that Balrog. We'll see how much further they try to dig or if the Balrog's just going to attack them right away, but that's going to be exciting. I like to think that they're probably going to excavate a little bit more. My theory, oh, this is a new theory. My theory is that King Durin, we will see, die in season Mm. two. Mm. Oh my God, now we have to play eulogy music and theory music at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a cacophony of sounds. Oh no, what do we do? (laughs) It's going to sound like the mining in Kazadu. But yeah, I think think King Durin is going to to die in uh, season two and then we will begin that excavation for mithril um, and that's how we'll ultimately get the rings which tying back to what Andy was saying before with Sauron connecting to everyone in the Palantirs uh, Jim your previous theory was that Iarian would construct Barador but I believe that Iarian is actually going to forge the rings of men Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Through the Palantir. 
Because now Sauron knows how to construct a ring. So hmm, let's go. Now, okay. As, That's interesting. As a citizen of Numenor, why would she construct the rings for the men? Would it be to uprise against Sauron and the growing armies? And maybe she's going to come help? This is what I'm saying. Well, that's mm. actually a good question. The elven rings are now forged. Right. Eventually, the, the dwarves, they're going to want their own. I think what's going to actually happen is King Durin is going to see that Elrond and Galadriel, they have these rings of power, and he's going to want his own rings of power. So he's going to maybe provide the mithril to Celebrimbor and the elves. Maybe he'll forge the rings. I think King Durin will get a ring in season two, and somehow that's going to be his downfall. Because to get the mithril to make the rings, they anger the Balrog further, and then he attacks. Boom. Let's go. There we go. All right. We figured oh, it out. God, we man. figured it out. That was beautiful. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, roll it's a the great, great, starting, the great starting point, <laughs> yeah. Jake. That's, this is... This is some real good theories we got going this, on. That might be my um, most outlandish theory, but possibly the one that could come back to reward us the most. Uh, we'll, we'll put that one on the back yeah, burner. Yeah, maybe. We if I was out. a writer, um, that would be my story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a writer. Hey, you should be a writer. You're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster. way better. Hoopla! Yeah, a wonderful podcaster. Uh, let's jump over to some of our other favorite characters from this season. A whole bunch of new original characters created for the Rings of Power, some of our friends over in the Southlands. Well, Jamie. With Arondir. Jamie, I didn't get to say my... Uh, so Chris took my favorite moment. So I'm going to tell you my <laughs> second... Well, third favorite <laughs> moment, because I actually had the rap scene, the elevator scene, and then the <laughs> battle after moments, the Watchtower. Oh, between yeah. the, the, where the That was my favorite oh, scene. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a battle. Look at us, all on the same Jimmy, page. You have to go to your fourth scene. Throughout the season, they built to this moment, and we wanted our epic battle sequence that they've delivered in the past in the movies, and I think they did with this, with Adar's army versus these scavenging humans just trying to survive and then to find out that the humans just killed all of the other humans and then Brutal. we know what happens after that Horrific. moment. Horrific. What a cool set piece. Yeah, the choreography and those sequences were so incredible. It was just so entertaining to watch. And we see the elves come to life and or Galadriel in of herself doing the horse flips and <laughs> yeah oh man that was an incredible battle scene that whole episode was amazing finishing off with mount doom erupting the fact that we got to see mount doom erupt yeah. in season one of the rings of power yeah. was super unexpected i did not think we were going to get that that early in the show but that was a beautiful beautiful scene can i talk about a quote from episode eight in close relation to you that? sure can oh my why God. yes you can oh boy oh boy so we have Celebrimbor talking with Gil-galad, Galadriel, and Elrond around the anvil or the smithing table in discussion of the solution for the blight on the eternal leaves or the, yeah, whatever, on the leaves. <laughs> oh my God. Our, There's our, a thing happening. Our, elves are dying. Comments, yeah. comments, comments are going to be yeah. We got to make some rings over here. <laughs> the eternal yeah, leaves of the, just the leaves. Yeah, you know, the leaves, the leaves <laughs> on the oak tree. No, no big deal. Anyhow, Celebrimbor says, I almost had it sooner. It was only in speaking with the Southlander that I realized. Gilgalad says, the low man, this idea was his. Celebrimbor responds, his suggestions were but the key that unlocked the dam. And Sauron is literally, his hilt is the key that unlocked the dam, which caused the eruption of Mount. Again, it's full season relations that the writers have really just honed in on to try and make sure that this great show is, stuff is a masterpiece it truly is fun to be able to see these arcs coming together yeah that was a beautiful quote coming after an incredible moment well a terrible moment with freaking uh waldrig betraying all the men but adar was surprisingly one of my favorite characters yeah. from this season yeah nice. i think he's a super super interesting villain for the show and i'm glad that they didn't kill him off in season one i'm glad that he's still around i'm glad that he's in mordor now where sauron just showed up where isildur is currently hanging out and i can't wait to see the interactions between isildur adar and sauron within the lands of mordor in the future that'll be awesome 
I wonder, like, what is the dynamic going to be between those characters? Because after seeing the final episode, you really, in my mind, do believe that Adar, I think, killed Sauron at some point a thousand years ago. So he didn't recognize him because he took on the form of this king of the Southlands. Is there going to be like a political battle? Are there going to be actual battles between the two? Maybe there's bands of orcs because many of those orcs probably pledge themselves to Sauron and Morgoth. Like there's a lot of different dynamics that they could take going into season two and three. Andrew, I certainly agree with you. Uh, Jamie Adar was an excellent character, but as I looked at my list of superlatives here, the thing I hope to see most in season two, I actually wrote down Arandir and Bronwyn. Theo by extension, certainly, but their relationship is so interesting because we just don't have that many references for humans and elves getting together. We have one of the biggest, of course, in the original trilogy, but I wrote down Arendir and Bronwyn. I'm going to take this a step further and propose possibly one of my most outlandish theories yet. Bronwyn, Arondir, and Adar team up sometime Ooh. in the future. Not necessarily season two. Maybe they still have more kinks to work out, more feuds to have. But I think Adar sees Sauron return and is going to be pissed that all his work was for nothing. Maybe he'll go try and serve him. Sir, that seems like a likely option. But my outlandish theory is Adar's going to team up with the Southlanders to some extent. That Ooh, is... See, I'm going to take the... I'm taking the opposite that is theory. Very I think the Southlanders are going to team up with Sauron. Oh, I think my. He's going oh, to become a bummer. new Halbrand. He could even just go straight back into Halbrand because true. the Southlanders think Halbrand is their king. Oh, yeah. that could I could so double down, yeah. True. Halbrand plus the Southlanders against Adar is more likely. Do I we think. need separate music for uh, uh, counteracting theories? <laughs> for dueling theories? It's, it needs to be yes. battle music. <laughs> just get Do the Pokemon need, battle music. This, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have the legal rights to that. <laughs> Can't say that we do. But do you mean this dueling battle theory music? <laughs> Pause for dueling battle theory music. <laughs> oh my god, it was so scary. <laughs> but what? Oh, what? Yeah, god. you're right. You're right, Chris. Though, what if Adar joined in the last alliance of elves and men? That would be a yes. shocking revelation. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe he's even. What were they called? The Moriandor. Maybe he's a redeemed Moriandor. Redemption wow. arc for Adar, yes. That would be awesome. Because, I mean, he he does not seem to be irredeemable, right? They've humanized him mm -hmm. more than any That's of true. the villains we've seen in Lord of the Rings. And so he well, seems to not be beyond redemption. He's seemingly the most redeemable, while he has done just terrible things to those Southlanders. Like, we've never seen in Lord of the Rings before so many gruesome scenes of just killings specifically in the tavern <laughs> where they just slowly kill the women Oof. and children like the men the the women so not sad. just the men but the so women sad. and children too uh but i do want to say <laughs> i i is that you, a star wars reference Chris? Uh, of course yeah. it is thanks buddy of course, <laughs> of course it is it. <laughs> the women this and the, the children way. too uh, this is the way i i also agree that arondir and bronwyn were shocking and surprisingly one of my favorite I was going to say couples, but really just two characters in the series. I think specifically because when it started off in episode one, you knew that this is what they're setting up, right? Like this is the love arc. And we've been yeah. jaded by other series, namely in Star Wars, namely some in Marvel, where they're pushing these romantic relationships too quickly. But this felt believable. And they really pulled it over the full eight episode series to then in the end you really then finally have Theo and Arondir and Bronwyn as a family, finally, after all that's happened over this week, two-week period. I thought it worked because of the pacing of the steps. Yeah, I think they nailed that relationship. I think it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And they did become a family at the end. My mm -hmm. second favorite family of the season, <laughs> right behind Ooh. the Brandyfoots. Ooh, uh, nice. Specifically, yes. That's Nori. nice. That is nice. Nori and Marigold, that relationship they had, the arc. Beautiful. Of Beautiful. Uh, the kind of conflict between mother and daughter. I watched their farewell scene In the today. first couple episodes where Nori was 
trying to go away from the Harfoot lifestyle and go off on adventures. And Marigold is telling her that, no, you are a Harfoot. You must stay. And just getting a full 180 over the course of the season to now Nori is feeling hesitant about following the stranger, even though she knows it's what she really wants to do. And Marigold can tell that her daughter's destiny is to go out on this adventure with the stranger. It was a, a beautiful story arc. Yeah. And it's exciting to see, you know, Marigold's sort of acceptance into that, right? She's hesitant. Any mother wants to protect and doesn't want to let their child be succumb to any threats or whatever terrors are out there. But she sees Nori's ambition and absolute attraction for adventure. And I think the yeah. turning point for her, actually specifically, is when she sees Nori convince the stranger that he's good, which saves all three of them. Actually, all four mm -hmm. of them. And that's why it's so imperative that Nori traverse with the stranger to the lands of Rune. I think each of the different members of the caravan of the society, they've almost all went through a similar type of arc because you saw the same from Malva as well. Yeah. Which was really interesting. I think it really started with some of those characters, how forgiving Sadok was and how much Sadok meant to that. Absolutely. He was a great leader that while he was putting down rules for Nori at the first few episodes, you could see how forgiving he was. And he was still pushing her along and making sure that they're the Brandyfoots while they're at the back of the caravan. They're still a part of the society. I was actually going to say my favorite character for season one, Sir Lenny Henry, the beloved oh. Sadok. Yes. Uh, All right. right. All right Such a sagacious, wise, intelligent, and just admirable leader. Every moment that Sadok is on screen is enjoyable and fun to watch. He he really embraces the Harfoot culture and really is perfect example of what a leader should be. You know, Malva, who he claims and set says throughout the season, you know, Malva, why you are always right. He acknowledges that point and that according to Harfoot law, they should be thrown out of the caravan. But he makes the <laughs> right and just call because she's a child. You know, we've all make, made mistakes as children. And I think he just ultimately embodied that character wholeheartedly. And yeah. it's it's so sad to see the light fade on him nobody as he watches the trail. sunset. For and nobody walks alone. We wait nobody for him. goes a trail and nobody walks alone. Absolutely. This is what connects it. And it's so Tolkien-esque because you have the through line of the Harfoots, which will eventually be the Hobbits or at least a read of them. What we find is that they're always reluctant. They're always cowardice. But at the end, if they get that push, heroism is buried deep yeah. within. And it's mm. so Tolkien, and there's just there's there's no replacing it. Like I said from the intro here, you can take some of these scenes and make them hobbits and put them in the original trilogy, and it just works. So mm. you guys nailed it. Jake got the shining example, and Andy, you had said some secondary characters, but it just works. You're right, Chris. It, it does work. Um, but I'm gonna pose it in a question here. Anytime we have a new change or exchange in leadership, the climate and culture of any given people change. Do you think with Malva taking over as the leader of the Harfoots, we see a different sort of outlook on Harfoot lifestyle, especially after the events that have now occurred? Yeah, we've, we've had a change in president and vice president. Poppy's the new uh, wayfinder. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to go there yet, Jake, but I do think by the end of the series, I think they are going to get to, and it's so easy, like Amazon's going to do it. They're going to place the final spot that the Harfords are going to end up at is going to be the Shire. That's, an, that's one Ooh, of my big theories. Yeah. Theory oh, music. Yeah, Give him yeah. his theory music. <laughs> I, the, I'll buy that one. That one's cheap, though. I mean, that's an easy one. They're going to travel. They're going to end up realizing, no, we don't need to go through this lifestyle. Let's, let's find our land. Let's find where we're where we're supposed to be. But they're always going to have characters like Nori and Poppy and Frodo, and Sam, and Mary, and Pippin. And I'm excited that maybe we'll be introduced to more even. Jamie, quick yeah. cue for you. Do we see the Harfoots in season two, or do we get a break until they come back into the fold? Mm. Ooh, That's that a is a great question. Because, you know, I was thinking the same thing. After Nori left, Nori and the Blue Wizard, Gandalf, <laughs> Gandalf the Blue, lots of theories about who the stranger is, but when Nori Saruman? left, uh, we just had- <laughs> Still uh, intact. Mary, uh, we had- <laughs> Malva and 
Poppy kind of starting to lead the way for the rest of these Harfoots. I have been kind of thinking, I don't know what their story has to offer. Obviously, I'm not a writer, so someone could come up with something interesting to tell us. But from the stories that have been set up so far, we don't have really a story for the Harfoots right now moving forward, aside from Nori. So I don't know if we see him season two. We might just get Nori and then the Harfoots come back in later on. I don't want to lose them, but... Me neither. Well, and the, the main thing, right? Like, out of all of the different characters within the group, Poppy and Nori... Those two actresses on screen, they're just electric together. And they, they provide, you know, what you mentioned, Chris, it provides a Frodo Sam bond. I do think, I don't know if it's going to be next season, but those two characters have to meet up in the story writing. Maybe it's season three, maybe yes. it's season four. But I mean, the two work together so well that I couldn't see the writers swaying away from that. Yeah. It's Megan Richards and Markella Cavanaugh, by the way. Put some respect on the names, Andrew. Great emotions <laughs> between the two of them. We gotta honor the people. We gotta <laughs> honor the people. Honor a Lendiel. <laughs> we gotta honor a Lendiel every time except for when he's crying. And and I think while we talk about the actors, we should bring into the fold another superlative here. My favorite actor of the season Ooh. is Daniel Waitman, the stranger. Whoa. And nice. I'll tell you why. I, it didn't, it wasn't a very, you know, he didn't have to memorize many lines because most of it was gibberish, but it's the body language for mm-hmm. me and it's the slow reveal. I thought back and in episode eight's recap, I mentioned that I thought the the uh, comprehensiveness of The Stranger coming back to it was a little rushed. I-, I looked at some clips, did a little review, and I actually think they nailed it. You guys mentioned it, that they, you know, it was affordable to be rushed and that's okay. And then I looked at his whole performance maybe thinking back as to, oh, yeah, I didn't know he was a a really important, smart character at this time. He played it so well. Daniel Wayman deserves a bunch of credit for playing an unknown character for the whole season. Charlie Vickers did that as well. We we obviously talked about that at the top. But Daniel Wayman also deserves credit, even though his role may not be as uh, powerful, I guess you could say. And maybe that will change. But got to give my flowers to Daniel Wyman here. I am excited to see how powerful this stranger gets. True. Because not only do we see his transcendence in comprehension and understanding, but we also see his emergence and his ability to control his his magic. And so, you know, what will we see from season two, episode one, till episode eight? I'm presuming they're doing the same number of episodes per season. I think that'll be pretty sweet to see because ultimately it's going to be a pretty powerful character. Yeah. Gandalf is one of the most powerful. (laughs) (laughs) If we're talking favorite actors from this season, I got to disagree with Chris on this one. The best actor from the whole show so far Cynthia Adai Robinson. Yes, absolutely. Queen Regent Muriel. Muriel was great. Absolutely crushed it. Every single time she was on screen, she just had this commanding presence as the queen and commander of the army when she was blinded in the fire and had to take a... Oh my gosh. You know, she, she was hit with that like devastating loss to her eyesight. She was portraying those emotions on screen beautifully. Every single time Cynthia uh, was on screen, I was totally invested in the character. I thought she absolutely nailed it. There's a technical level to that, too. I mean, those last two episodes, she was blind, but obviously, you know, she could see she just needed to be blind. It's a it's a great comment, Jamie. I totally mm-hmm. agree. Great character. Something else I'm looking forward to with Queen Muriel is now that the king has died. I can't wait to see this conflict that's going on in Numenor right now, this power struggle, presumably. I assume there's going to be a power struggle between... Queen Muriel and Farazon. Certainly. Oh for whom my is going God. to take command over the people of Numenor. No. Uh, again, Farazon is not a bad dude. Oh, no. You're so Leave bad. Farazon, Leave Farazon alone. Leave Farazon alone. That's it a, is not that's a fine Farazon. theory. It is Kemen that is going to corrupt him. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Kemen corrupts Farazon. I yes, still don't does. like Kevin. His I cleverness, still don't like I him. mentioned this. I mentioned this in our season one, episode four oh review. My. He's got receipts. Kevin's cleverness will undermine Farazon's wisdom. And that will be the ultimate result of the power struggle. It has not occurred yet, but it will. In the future, maybe that's a valid theory, but I think until that occurs, I think Muriel is still in the rightful throne position. 
Everyone say hello to future Jake coming back to this episode. <laughs> Hi, future Jake. Hey, future Jake. You were wrong. <laughs> Hope you're doing well, buddy. No, I actually, I don't think you were wrong. I, I do really like that idea, Jake, mm. of Kemen's cleverness undermining Farazan's wisdom. I'm very interested to see how that relationship between the two of them goes as Farazan tries to steal power from Muriel. <laughs> I, I do want to say real oh quick, Jamie, I do think that the actor that played Farazan, Tristan Gravel, was one of my favorite, that was one of my favorite performances in the series. It was a little bit more mm. limited. We weren't with him as much, but there were a few scenes that were incredibly impactful. One was when he's speaking in front of all the Numenorean people that are coming out against Muriel, and he almost manipulates them as a political leader in many circumstances would, gets yep. <laughs> them all on his side. He has all of these guild crests. He's clearly the one who pulls the strings throughout the, the kingdom. And then another like small moment as he sees his uncle pass away, you just saw the pain in his face, but there's something about it that I think they're kind of leading you to, like, this is one of the villains of the series. Ooh, Debatable. Who's going to be right? Who's going to be right? Me. Tune in to Hobbit Hoopla <laughs> Season 2, 2024. It, it's going to be Kemen. Kemen is the root of one evil. Of you. <laughs> Anyhow. I think it could go either ways. One of you is going to be disappointed in the end. I want to talk about one small disappointment that I did have with the season. As much as I do love raving about it and do think it was an excellent season, an excellent first try into this new world, I think looking back that they revealed a couple too many secrets. I'm not talking about story plot lines or anything like that, but just the Balrog. little things. Balrog was the big one that stuck out. Yeah, I, they gave it to us in the trailer and then did absolutely yeah. nothing with it in season one. I understand that it's supposed to be looming threat. It's going to be there. It's building up. I get that. They gave enough fanfare for this episode that it would have been cool to hold on to that. My other one would be maybe the Sauron reveal. They didn't need to full on confirm it by having him walk into Mordor, pun intended. What they did with the entire reveal was great, but they did confirm it. And I was thinking maybe they could have left him unrevealed for, to let us linger. But I do like how they did it. So I can let that one go. But leave more secrets. Give us something to wonder about. That's a great point, Chris. That's a great point, Chris. The, the Sauron reveal, I, I do agree. It could have waited. But the fact that they, they confirmed it in season one really leads me to believe that they're going to go all in with this character, with mm -hmm. Charlie Vickers. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's four seasons where we know that Charlie Vickers as the actor is Sauron. That's a great point. Is it going to be Charlie Vickers, though? Uh, or well, is he going to oh, be a shape changer? Oh, it that be would shape be interesting. That would be very interesting. Because maybe they revealed Sauron very early, but there's still some secrets to be had because yeah. there will be new disguises that Sauron finds. Maybe we meet a new character who turns out to be Halbrand 2.0. We don't know that until season four or something. That would be interesting. I'm shocked that they did reveal Sauron in the season one, though. Really? You were shocked? That was not my expectation. I thought it would have been two or three after they take down the mini bad, you know, season one, season two bad, and sure. then reveal. But the fact I that they did fair. leads me to believe there's going to be some a lot of storylines with this character. Well, it's going to be the antagonistic, antagonistic war between, you know, Adar and Sauron. That I mean, we're all looking forward to that. That's honestly a beautifully designed storyline by the creators sure. and producers of this show. Like, that is so well devised, and I'm so excited to see that. And I hope you guys are right that Arondir and Bronwyn do join up with him, with Adar. That would be sick. Uh, excuse me, that's my theory. Or with Sauron. That's right, Chris. Thank you. And speaking also to you, do you think it would have been more effective if we just heard a sound? Maybe like a grunt or something from a Balrog rather than visually confirming it? Jake, I don't think it's necessarily the effectiveness of where they displayed it or how they, they brought upon the Balrog. I think it was more conceptually. I just, I, I didn't need to see that yet. There's enough going on. Would it have been cool to have a smaller teaser? Yeah, sure. The smaller the teaser, the better. I only watch a single trailer for a movie, the teaser, and then I try to put it away. Don't look at any information like that until I get into the theater. But don't let me drink alone here. Did anyone else have any small gripes? I agree with you on, on the Balrog thing. I think that we got enough when we just saw Disa's greed start to come out. 
Yeah, in sure. Her last yeah. scene. Be subtle. I think that was enough to tell us that they're going to dig a little bit too deep. And maybe that's just because we're Lord of the Rings fans. We know that the dwarves are eventually going to dig too deep and the Balrog's going to come out and kill everybody, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so maybe for the general fans who don't know all of this future story, um, maybe it is cool to see the Balrog on screen. I, th- I think it would have been better to keep that more suspenseful and for us to wait a little bit farther to see how deep they really do dig. A disappointment that I had, Chris, I think in the season was more around the actual elven rings themselves. Now that I kind of mm. look back on it, I wish they there was Careful. more lead up to the actual crafting itself. <laughs> this is the, the formation of three of the most powerful artifacts ever created. And it happened very quickly, mm. honestly, very easily. For Celebrimbor, after he spent weeks not knowing what to do off screen, Halbrand shows up, one scene gives him the answer, Halbrand right. exits stage right, and then Celebrimbor creates these rings. I wish it was more of a plot point over maybe a two to three episodes of them trying to craft these things of power that they really deserve. That's a valid point. You could say that's rushed because, you know, so much of the show is focused on that and there is no need to put that at the very end. But in terms of like a cliffhanger and leading you to bring you back to the next season... I I understand playing that card, but you're right, Andy. It it honestly should have been saved. And it it ties back to Chris's point earlier. Do we need to reveal all these things? I don't know. I don't know, but that just gives us more stuff to look forward to in the future. We already have more answers than we expected, which means there's (laughs) even more to come that we don't expect. I am But we got to end this on a happy note. So let's go around and talk about the things that we are most excited for moving forward with this, whether it's something that we think is going to happen in season two or something to go the full five seasons. Uh, we'll start with Andy. What are you looking forward to as this show continues? There's two plot points that I'm, I'm very excited for. The, the first being, I think others would probably state as well. The Stranger and Nori going to the east into Rune, which is not a storyline we know from Tolkien's lore. We know hints of what happened in the area. We know hints of the types of people or magic users that might be in the area. There's so much open for the writers to create a new story that's that's not really based around things that we've heard from the appendices. The, the Return of the King appendices. They have so much area to move and potentially create this maybe Gandalf-like character, or maybe it is a blue wizard. It's going to be really fun um, to see where we go there. Yeah, I'm excited for for Rune as well to see where everything goes, but let's mm. uh, let's see what other people are excited for. Jake, what are you looking forward to? Well, uh, speaking off of Andy's note there, in The Hobbit, it alludes to multiple wizards, right? We, we meet one of the other wizards yep. that Gandalf there's five wizards. With. I think it would be exciting to maybe meet those other wizards in the land of Rune. That, I think that would be a great, fun sort of thing to explore these characters that we don't really get to meet in previous movies maybe we get to meet them and that would sort of help give more to the lore of the hobbit nori potter and the wizards of rune (laughs) boo (laughs) thank you thank you i'll be here all week (laughs) although honestly i would watch that movie (laughs) (laughs) well she could end up over there in rune maybe there's this huge academy i don't know wizards are smart Um, (laughs) wizards are smart something holy shit something i'm jake we don't have the rights for that song it's not humming it uh the thing that i'm (laughs) i think that's under parody law i don't know i think it's under parody law a more conceptual point about the whole show is leadership one leader that i wanted to kind of save for the end here was probably our main character if we could choose a main character it's got to be the story of galadriel and morphid's clark's performance right main character energy are we feeling that There's a lot of power struggles going on, but yeah, it starts with her. It's certainly going to to end with her in the third age way on. But this is a story (laughs) where I I found where I found that (laughs) it literally starts with her and ends with her (laughs) like the first shot of the season and the last shot of the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's a great point uh, conceptually and and directorial, directorially, directionally, directionally, directionally. I think it's a great point. Her, the performance from Gladriel and, and from Morford Clark just across the season shows leadership in, in the strongest suits. I mean, from the minute she jumped off the boat, she realized that there was still work to do. And the greatest part about it was she was right. She's been deceived a couple of times along the way. Gilgalad's not exactly in her corner. She kinda, he kind of wants everything to just go back to being peaceful and for them to leave. But 
she comes back and and this story is so fun to follow as as she leads hopefully what's going to be a huge resurgence against dark and evil i'm just excited to see where this character goes because we know how she ends that's the thing that's the thing about this show being a prequel i'm excited to see how we get there and gladriel's a great character that cannot be dismissed Hoopla! <laughs> the thing I'm looking forward to next season is something we'll jump outside of the actual content of the show. Uh, more metagame here. The commitment to the production staff. This applies to everything. The music, the, the, the sound design, you know, everything that would involve going into the final cut. But I think prosthetics and staging and set design... Everyone on that team, there's obviously way too many to name, but everyone on that team deserves a huge round of applause that may not get it otherwise uh, from, you know, some of the star actor performances that we had in this show as far as actors and actresses and characters go. But behind the scenes, the production staff, I mean, when you, when you look at an orc's mask or you look at these rugged weapons that have mm-hmm. been uh, detailed only so far as to make sure that they can fit on your arm or fit in your hand. It's just a, a very rugged and real environment. And that goes out to the commitment of the production staff. So if they can keep that going through season two, hopefully the money keeps flowing from uh, Amazon on high there. And I, I just think it's going to be a spectacle to keep an eye on for the next four seasons, for sure. Oh, the money better keep flowing. <laughs> oh, the money's going to flow. <laughs> I think they did a great job setting up this, setting up all the storylines. So it's hard to pick one thing I'm most excited for because all the stories are going to be so awesome moving sure, forward. But I, agree. I do have to say, I got to shout out the showrunners right here. Give us Tom Bombadil. Oh, <laughs> I was going to go jump in there. <laughs> <laughs> Give us Tom Bombadil. That is all I want from this show. We got to see Tom Bombadil at some point, please. Tom Bombadil. Fantastic season overall, though. So we'll be back to... Um, Talk about season two whenever that comes out. It's going to be two years. So, all right, I got to interrupt here. Going I got to interrupt because we did something. I was going to see if we did it. I know he wasn't in episode eight, and I know he's dead, but we didn't mention Isildur. Isildur. Once. Isildur yeah. is in. I mentioned him in Mordor. So, not his Isildur future. is dead. dead. So, not his future. I want to talk about his future. Hold I was on. wondering if we wouldn't. Like, because we know where everyone's going except him. I mean, well, we know where he's going. He's getting shot in the back with that arrow and falling into the river. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to the west of Numenor to find his mother. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> wow. I think he's gonna make it all the way back. Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I'm more being silly than anything. It's yeah. just I, I, I find it funny we made it all the way and we didn't talk about his future because he's dead question mark well we talked a little bit about him and adar and sauron in mordor and we'll we'll see what happens with that but let's go around before we wrap up this episode and we've already given our final thoughts on the season that's what the whole episode was so let's just do rapid fire rating (laughs) the season on a scale of one to eleven you want who was wow season overall what do you think andy it was a wonderful pilot season that I'm going to give a 95 out of 111 hooplas. Fantastic. What about you, Jakey? You know, I'm actually going to give it a 92 out of 111 hooplas. That is a sound 83 for those doing the math. Chris, I know fractions aren't your strong suit, but I want to hear <laughs> I want to hear your uh, beautiful interpretation, you fantastic wordsmith. Fractions are <laughs> fractions are not my strong suit, but you did find my rating of the episode. It isn't or of the season, forgive me. It's an 83 of 111 hooplas. It's, of course, going to be the lowest of the low. But I I just think you got to have room to grow. A lot of the episodes, like that episode six, stuck out as that scene, obviously, with the battle that Andrew talked about earlier. But there's just got to be room to grow. The armies have to get bigger. The power struggles have to get larger. And obviously, we have to make more rings. So it's an 83 for me, and I can only assume that it gets better. Oh, it will. Hopefully, probably. (laughs) I am going to give it a 97. Oh, my God. Hoopla. Hoopla. You just went two above me. You had to to top it. You had to top it. I had to do some quick math. I had to take whatever Andy said. I had to beat it by two. Uh, I really did enjoy this, this season very much, and I cannot wait for season two to come out. They're filming right now, so... 
they say sometime fall 2024 is when season two is going to come out and I cannot wait. So thank you all for joining us in this first season of the Hobbit Hoopla podcast, watching the first season of the Rings of Power. Tune in over the coming weeks as we do some more Hobbit Hoopla stuff and in the following months as we move on to Hero Hoopla and do all sorts of other Hoopla podcasts. (laughs) Hit us up on Twitter if you have any suggestions for us for what we should talk about. And don't forget to hit us up on Twitter for this little merch contest that we have going on. And if there are no other comments for us before we conclude this episode, let's bring it to Andy for the final, the highest of all the highest hooplas, the season one highest hoopla. So this is goodbye then. We do not say goodbye. We say Namari. It means more than simply farewell. It means go towards goodness. And now we'd like to recognize our fallen characters from the season. We wait for you. Finrod. Ugh, we, we will avenge you. Treadwell. Uh, no! Oh, great udders from that cow. I love Treadwell. Revion and Mador. Oh, man. Oh, Who? Greatest watch warden in the world. That's so sad. The Raft people. Oh, the Raft. Oh, they yeah. loved that Raft. Oh, they were with Sauron the whole time. Rowan. Oh. Who? Yeah, no, he was not nice. Oh. Wait, who's that? Ontimo. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. going to be so sad. What a good guy. Good guy. King Tar Palantir. Ooh. Yeah, he All doesn't right. know. He yeah, doesn't know he died. Rough. The dweller, the ascetic, and the nomad. Riddance, Good riddance. <laughs> Sadok. Oh, oh no. my God, Sadok. We <laughs> wait nobody for you. Nobody goes on trail, and nobody walks nobody alone. Is Sealdor? Sealdor. Oh yeah, he's dead. He's for sure dead. Oh, uh-huh. how do you yeah. wink oh, in yeah, audio definitely. format? Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs>